0: Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Today we want to talk about being a reconciler. You know, relationships, as we've learned, are the key to our happiness the success or the failure of our relationships determines the quality of life we enjoy. And so whether you believe that or not, it's true. You've been wrong before, right? So relationships are key, absolutely key. And sociologists tell us that the more relationships we have that are healthy, the happier, even physiologically, how our bodies and organs, our mind works correctly. But the, the, the less we have the more we tend to be open to even disease and whatnot. So we know relationships are key physiologically, but we also know from the Bible, we've talked about love and how that is expressed in many different ways. We've talk, talked about love in detail. We've talked about availability, how to make ourselves available to people and how to open the door to relationships. We've talked about faith, having faith in people. Matter of fact, having more faith in people than they have for themselves. We've talked about interest, having interest, showing interest for people more than just being available is literally reaching into their life. We've talked about respect and how important that is in helping people understand that they're loved. See, we've got a message, but that message can be messed up in our attempts at uh, trying to communicate that message. There can be things that get in the way. And we're going to go even further today with that thought. Today I want to talk about showing love by becoming a professional reconciler so all these things have kind of led up to really what the ultimate goal is and that is being one who restores relationships and not one who tears them down see we have an adversary we have the enemy that's his job that's what he does he tears people down he wants to destroy relationships he he burned it in the heart of cain to kill his brother abel and thus we see the breakdown of relationships even to this day we find that, that uh, the enemy is at work trying to bring division and disunity. All of that. Do not, be de- do not be deceived. There is one behind all of that, and his name is Satan. Okay, Because wherever God is, there's reconciliation. And so we're going to talk about how, if we want to move forward in God, if we want to learn how to be better lovers of people, then we need to embrace what God has given to us. See, the bar is set pretty high. Jesus set that bar for us. He said, Forgive even as your heavenly Father has forgiven you, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. He says, forgive as your heavenly Father has forgiven you. Now think about your own life for a moment. We just had communion. You may have sat there and confessed a few sins. You may have been in the place where you've had some real struggles lately. And you've looked to God for mercy, and you received it today. As you took the body and the blood, the symbols, you felt his cleansing, his washing of your conscience, The Bible goes on to say that to, to cleanse our consciences from acts which lead to death. God can interrupt that process. That is mercy. That's pure mercy. And God says, now you go and do the same to others. Okay? God did not stop us in the middle of communion and say, just wait, 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 wait. Do you really feel bad enough? Maybe there's more you need to do to show you're really, really, really sorry. Maybe you need to run around the building seven times. Maybe you need to go to Nepal and serve there for three months and help that devastated nation. I doubt he said that to you today. Because he's merciful. Because he forgives. He's full of it. Full of compassion and mercy. And so he says, now go and do the same with others. Forgive even as your heavenly Father has forgiven you. These are the words of Christ. He says, now go do the same. So the bar's been set pretty high. So there are two attitudes in life that I believe they're going to help us fulfill that. Really, what they call the law of Christ. Let's look at them real quickly. First of all, we need to see people as God does. Okay, we need to see. Now, you say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, David. I'm not God. I can't see like God does. That's true. And if you do think you're God, then talk to me afterward. But anyway, I've got a few questions for you. But anyway, um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But... You know, we can't see exactly as God does, but we do have Christ. And he fills our heart. And we have the Holy Spirit within us. And we have the ability, if we'll ask God, to begin to see the world as he does. He's given us vision. He's given us his character. He's given us so much. And yes, we can see the world as he does. And three ways we can do that. First of all, you've got to remember who you are. Okay, it starts with self-actualization. In other words, you understanding where you are in the great scheme of things. Not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to, but then not thinking of yourself as none account either. But knowing that you're valuable to God. In Romans chapter 5, it says that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. There's two things you need to see in that verse. One, you need to see that God was merciful to to the point of being able to see all of the earth's sin or however long this earth is going to continue, from the very moment that Adam and Eve fell to the very last sin that will take place here on this planet, Jesus died for it all. Every bit of it. One act. One man. And it says, while we, so th- that you need to see that part. Of, the other part of that you need to see is it, while we were yet sinners. Think of your deepest, darkest moment I don't think too much about it. What I'm saying is, when you've been low, when you've done something that you're ashamed of, when that time has come, Jesus was on the cross saying, Father, I am giving myself for that sin. Remember that. Remember who you are. Remember who, who you are in God's eyes. And so to help to see people the way uh, God would have us to see them you know, we've got, to come, we've got to start with us. We've got to start with a, 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 an understanding that, man, I've been forgiven a lot. And even the sin I'm yet to commit. Now, that's not a license to keep sinning. But that's just a real hope, isn't it? That's a joy. So that when we look at people who've disappointed us, when we look at people that we think that are the, wor- that, that are, that are the spawn of the devil, when we look at people and we want to judge them and we want to think that they're evil, just remember that Jesus died for them too. Hello? That's exactly right. Thank you, sir. Amen. How do we see people as God does? Also, we got to be... We got to be as merciful. I'm, I'm sorry, we got to remember that God is merciful toward us. In Psalm 103, verse 10, He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Whew, and aren't you glad? Man, I'm full of big gladness on that one. You know, when you were kids, your mom and dad treated you as your sins deserved. See, my mom, when uh, she's going to listen to this, but anyway. Uh, but when, when my mom, she had enough, you know, when it was here, I mean, I've had it to here, it did go to here. And when I got to there, she grabbed whatever was close by, the worst of which was the, uh, the Hot Wheels track. And I got to tell you, <laughs> woo, that'll fire you up. And uh, they did treat us as our sins deserved, but God doesn't. And aren't you glad? Sometimes we need a good old-fashioned spanking for what we do. And how we've treated people. I mean, we do. Some of the things that adults do, man, kids will have time out for three days for for that. But God, (laughs) I was just visualizing that. All right, you get a time out. What? Yeah, three days. So just (laughs) don't even show up. Go home. Stay home. We don't want to see you. Anyway, (laughs) But God does not see us as, does not treat us as our sins deserve. And I'm so happy about that. But that's the kind of mercy that we're shown every day. So again, it's time to invert that. It's time to just, we're so grateful for these things. Now turn it out that every per- person that you see, every color, every tribe, every nation, every kind, every social strata, God loves them. Get it? Thirdly, to help us see people as God does, we've got to remember who God is. Most people do not see God as they should. In Joel chapter 2, verse 13, it says, "Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And He relents from sending calamity. Wow. Most people do not see God. I mean, a lot of times people are so ready to say, oh yeah, God's gonna judge that. It's gonna, yeah, earth's gonna open, bye. You know, we become Jonah, sitting on the hill, waiting for God to destroy Nineveh. And the whole time God is saying, no, I am gracious. I am compassionate and I'm slow to anger. And God's slowness has gotta be real slow compared to my slow. Because God thinks in terms of eons, right? A thousand years is like a day. And so sometimes we do wonder, God, why aren't you doing something about this? Because He's gracious and He's compassionate and He's slow to anger and abounding in love and He relents from sending calamity. See, we got to know who our God is. So when we look at people, you following me? When we look at people, we got to see that I can't be, I mean, I certainly can't be any faster in judgment than God is. I really should be behind him. In other words, I should wait. And we know that's scriptural. that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I mean, that's none of my business. That is not my place. That's why judgment is really such a bad thing because we put ourselves in the place of God. We have no place in being there. And as long, and if you stay in the place of God long enough, guess what? You're toast. You're going to be destroyed because you cannot stand being God. You and I cannot stay in that place. So we gotta see people as God sees them, and that's how we get there. Gotta remember who we are and where we've come from. We gotta remember that God is full of mercy. We've got to understand that God looks at the world and He's gracious and He's compassionate, He's slow to anger, abounding in love. So another attitude that we need in order to in order to become reconcilers. See? That first step is is having eyes. It's asking God to give us eyes to see people as he does. Give us the heart of God. That's good, isn't it? God, give me your heart. Download it into me. And now, we're going to finish this relationship series, and you're going to see there's been a strategic reason for this series. I said earlier on in the year, there was a reason for this, and I felt like it's one of the most important series we, were, we have done in a long time. And if, and if you've gotten it, if you've been following if you've been on this, then you'll see that it's preparing you for what God has for us next. Okay? So we've got to see people as God does. Secondly, we've got, we, we, we've got to become a reconciled reconciler. You know, it's hard to teach somebody to do something that you have no idea what's, how it's done. You ever tried that? Well, I believe if you press this and you turn that and you twist that around, it's going to do something, and then it explodes. You didn't help anybody out at all. You were confident. You looked good doing it, but you had no idea what you were doing. No clue. And that works a lot with people, too, when we try to help people, when we try to fix things. But what we'd rather do is just gossip about it. What we'd rather do is just stir up the stink what we'd rather do is just try to keep things negative and ugly and think that that's helping people. It has nothing to do with helping people. It tears people down. It says, the Bible says that, that well, what that does is that's just like a virus, a destructive thing that goes from heart to heart, tearing people down and causing division and opening the door to the devil himself. Not good, we've well, we got to be honest. We've got to be reconciled reconcilers, what do I mean by that? What I mean is you've got to be a partaker of what you think you're ready to give. If you want people to see the all-forgiving Jesus, then you need to know how to receive that forgiveness, and you need to know how to give it just as freely as you have received it. And see, reconcile is not just saying, here, are you good? Are you good? Okay, good. Let's go play. I mean, it's more than that. Because, see, becoming reconciled means I've dealt with the most significant issues in my heart. I'm going to get to that here in a minute, and it's going to be a little uncomfortable, but just hang in. But got to become, and how do we do that? Well, first of all, we got to understand that reconciliation, to be reconciled with our past, with our hurts. Okay, because so much comes out of us as a result of our wounds. Most of how we react does come from the patterning, the imprinting that has taken place with the former relationships we've had. But see, Jesus came to die for that so that that can get healed up, so that we can then move on with, 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 with fresh connections. Being reconciled with our past is so Critically important so that we can move forward in peace in our future. So, understanding there is forgiveness. And I'm talking about, I'm going to unfold this as we go along, but if one sin that brought death to all mankind, if if just one sin did that, how much more will one act of selfish sacrifice in Christ bring forgiveness and salvation to all who ask? What I'm saying here this morning is that we've got to understand forgiveness in its totality when we think of our past. Because our past can continue to rise up like like a poison. And and I'll say this, that even if you had a revival or you went down and and you confessed it and, and you really felt like you went through a season in your life where you really reconciled all that stuff, it does come back around. How many know that's true? Laying there in your bed, and you're reminded, or there's a song there, sitting in the in the mall. It goes on. For me, it's about half of the Boston songs, but we won't get into all of that. But anyway, it's just like, just like, boom, you're there again, and you're reliving some of the bad decisions you made in your life, and all of a sudden, here it comes. That guilt, that yuckiness. And you know what I found? Is you can start eating that crud again. How many know that's true? It's getting all quiet up in here. <laughs> yeah, we've been there. And so look, we've got to remain reconciled with our past. In other words, we've got to, when it comes, we just got to say, nope, done. Man, that's not me. I mean, that, that's the old me. And Jesus died for that me. And, and I'm grateful for it. And you're able to just move on. Okay? To be a reconciled reconciler, Because see, see, the reason why is this next point. Is we've got to be reconciled with our judgments. Because I have found this funny little thing that takes place with Christians sometimes is that we get all this wonderful mercy and this forgiveness, and yet we turn right around and we fail to give it away, and, and we become kind of like the doorkeepers of the church, doorkeepers of forgiveness, door thing, doorkeeper of all things spiritual. And God says, uh, no, that's not your place. You need to move out of the doorway. I need you to move further back into the gathering and just do what I call you to do. But we've got to reconcile with our judgments. We've talked about prejudice, and I really believe that is something... Um, you know, I've had people over the years come to me and just appreciate the message. It's a part of the message of, of who we are here at Valley. We have seven different, eight nations represented in our congregation. We got people of all different walks of, of life and, 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 and uh, generational church, multi generational, multicultural, multiracial. I, I'm, I'm excited about that, but it takes a lot of work, doesn't it? It does take a lot of work. Some people, they don't have the taste for that, and I understand. But you've got to deal with your judgments if you're going to be able to be a reconciler. You've got to deal, I mean, and, and they will come up. Because I have found that you can, be a re- you can be reconciled 99% of the time, but it's that 1% that can really mess things up. can really mess things up. Judgments that we have in our heart, prejudices that we have in our heart. We've got to shut that down. See, we got an interesting example of that in the Bible between Paul and Barnabas. And, and, and you don't know, matter of fact, the first problem in the church, people, you probably don't even know this, that the first problem that comes after the day of Pentecost is a racial issue. They got, they've got widows to deal with, and they've got Greeks and Jews. And then the first thing that comes up is, hey, wait a minute. Your bunch are getting more food than our bunch. These are people filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues with fires on their head. And the first thing they do is have to deal with that. Wow. So they sit down and they work out an amicable you know, plan of equal division and saying, okay, we're going to get this worked out. We give some, You'll find the deacons, if you count them, they're half Greek and half Jewish. They knew what, the, what they had to do. And so we've got to deal with those judgments and we've got to go after them with... with Utter, an utter desire to be reconciled with those issues. I know you're looking at me crazy. That lobster's growing out of my ears. But I'm telling you, there came a place in my own life when I had to embrace that. If I was going to move forward any further, if I was going to have a genuine message that I had to be reconciled to some issues in my own life, whether they be racial, whether they be north and south, whether they be whatever. I mean, still people want to argue about that stuff. It's like, look, we won. Get over it. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Waiting. Waiting. That was just like one of those joke grenades, right? It just kind of, one, two, three, went off. Okay, good. <laughs> reconcile with you, John. Thirdly, we got to reconcile with our relationships. And that's what this is all about, really. To be a reconciled, you know, mission, mission is sabotaged by judgment and broken relationships. It's absolutely sabotaged. I've seen that. It's in the Bible. Paul and Barnabas ready to go on to their next missionary journey. They have a problem with this guy that Paul says he blew it. Now, Paul was probably being a little too judgmental against John Mark. But that's Barnabas' cousin or relationship, but he's got some family, I forgot what it was. And they're fighting. Next thing they say, well, that's it, we're done. We'll go our separate ways. Now, you may say, well, God used that to help double the ministry, as I've heard some missiologists say. But still, it's there. And to me, what I see is, look at that. Here, those two guys were traveling two by two, doing what they were doing, and it came a a a, a, reconcil- a a forgiveness issue, dealing with a guy that they couldn't reconcile his 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 struggle because he failed. He 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 uh, let Paul down, and he didn't go on with the rest of the ministry when he he sh- assumed he should. It's like, wow, Paul, man, chill out. But that's what it came to, messed up the mission. How many churches are upended over things just like that? As silly as the, the the color of chairs, to you know the kind of people that we're reaching or what is being done. I mean, I sat in a meeting one time when they were arguing, when they were looking over the chart of things that. When, this is when we were much smaller, not here another church, and they were saying, "You spent you spent twenty five dollars on pencils." Yeah. Well, I think that's way too much, and and I think we just need to stop right now and talk about this. Okay. You know, you want to fight over pencils? Anyway. We've got to reconcile our relationships. If we're going to deal with those kind of things. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Wow. You're all in the ministry, and you didn't even know it. So I need you all to report here on Monday, and we'll get busy. Okay? You're in the ministry. You have been given the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. How does the world know they've been reconciled with God? You and me. We're the ones supposed to be telling them. And more than that, we're supposed to be doing what? Showing them that we can get along. That we can get along. Nothing will upend the mission of the church, the mission of your own life, than being unreconciled or having a broken relationship. Take that to the bank. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Listen to that. We implore you. We're telling you, come on, man. In the name of Jesus, be reconciled to God. You can't have a message of reconciliation unless you yourself. Isn't that interesting? He's saying, look, before you can get onto that ministry, you've got to be reconciled to God. You've got to deal with your past. Receive forgiveness in the middle of it. You've got to deal with your present. You've got to deal with what's going on in your life. If you've got some broken relationships, Jesus said, look, don't even go to the altar and worship. Don't even offer your gift. until And if a person's face comes to mind, it's like, man, I need to go get that right. I need to go get that right. Because see, a lot of times people say, well, I'm good with God. Yeah, but everybody hates you. I mean, nobody has a good thing to say about you, man. (laughs) But up in heaven, they're shouting your name. Uh, I got a song about you. But down here, (laughs) you know, down here, it's just like, now look, nobody can get that perfectly worked out, right? You're, we're all gonna always, at times, we're gonna have somebody you know, who's struggling with us and, and we've done everything in our power to, to reconcile, to make it right. So there are gonna be those people out there. You know? Anyway, finishing the verse. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the message. That's what we've been called to. speak and to live so relationships even though you've been going around this you've been walking through this and maybe you just been yeah pastor david's talking about relationships and you know i'm not sure how i relate to all that i don't know how it you know that's working out in our family here honey are you good yeah i'm good i'm good okay good But you know, what I've been trying to lead you to here is to show you that having healthy relationships is not just important for you, but it's important to your life message and to the fruitfulness that you are going to have for the rest of your life. Yes, it's all about the joy. What's in it for me? But really, we're talking about internal benefits here. We're talking about eternal fruitfulness here. That as you restore those relationships, as you focus and take enough time to work them through, and as best you're able to know that you're right between God and with man, then mission continues to flow through you. And what it is, is that message of reconciliation, telling the world, look, God is not mad at you. He sent his son and he died for you and he loves you a whole lot. And if you will just accept him as your savior, then he is going to start a work in you that'll blow your mind. And you will have the hope of knowing you will be with God forever and ever. Look, folks, I don't know what is all being said in the world today, what is talked about in in CNN or Fox News or what's said on the internet or what's going on, but I think we're all losing the message. We gotta get back to saying and speaking and doing what Jesus has called us to do. And that is to tell the world, God loves you. He sent his son, and you can be reconciled with God right now. But why are relationships important? Because we live that out there. We don't go around saying, Jesus loves you, but I hate you. You're going to get it. But, amen, brother. So we've got to be a leader and an example of one who refuses to allow offense to rule in our life. Proverbs nineteen eleven says, It is to our glory to overlook an offense. Huh, look where it starts. It starts with our choice to whether we want to be offended or not. But Pastor David, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know. I don't need to know. I've probably had all that happen to me at least twice. Come on. It's to your glory to overlook an offense. What is that saying? What it's saying is that God looks at that and says, that's good stuff, good job. Here's my favor upon you. Here's my favor on your life. Here's my favor on your soul. Here's my favor on your relationships. Here's my favor on your home. And so that you will be able to confidently, confidently walk around your yard and speak God's blessing upon it. You can confidently speak over your children. May the Lord bless you and keep him, keep you make his faith. You'll know that you, you can do it with confidence because of what the choices you've made in your life. You've said, Look, Lord, I'm not walking through life and let those, wait a minute, vines of offense grab me and hold me back. Not going to do it. And there, sometimes that's a fight. As Andrew and I are praying together, sometimes we're on our walks and and maybe we start to discuss something, we get into something, and then, of course, a person comes up to our mind and we're talking, and we both just say, Nope, moving on. Lord, bless them, keep them, make your face shine upon them. They belong to God, they're God's business. There are times when we want to choose to be offended by how people act or what they say or what they do or what they don't do. Because see, you've you got to understand the scope of offense. I've got to keep you just an extra minute here. This is super important. You've got to understand the scope of offense before you're able to overlook the offense. And here's the scope. There are sins of omission and sins of commission. The sins of omission are easier to forgive but we get, up, we get caught up on those too. The things that people fail to do. He didn't say hi to me. Pastor didn't say hi. Oh, he's out, man, he's done. <laughs> they didn't do this. They didn't, uh, look, I, man, I gave them this birthday gift or I gave them that Christmas gift. All of us have been to a party, man. When we went out and, man, we bought the $30, $35 gift and they show up with a $10 gift. Hey, what's up with that? I'm just playing. I'm just joking here. But but I'm I'm illustrating here what they failed to do. And in our minds, it wasn't something that they did. It was something what they didn't do. You get it? Something, those are called sins of omission. And those are a little easier to get over. But you know what? Sometimes we can still get hung up on those. Because why? Because we all live with a certain set of expectations of how people should act and how they should treat us. And when they fail to hit those, it's just like, dude, man, you're done. You're at a negative with me, man. And it's going to take you a whole lot of loving to get you back, you know, in the plus zone with me. See, that's, that's not good Christianity. That's not good living at all. That's not, that's not what Jesus has called us to. You can't be a reconciler if you're walking around and you're using your expectations of how people should love you as the standard. Can't do it. And then secondly, sins of commission. Now those are the hardest. Those are the things that people have done to us, sometimes with great spite, sometimes with real anger and judgment, sometimes the most painful kinds of sins, and we've all experienced those too. And all I can say to you is that Jesus hung on the cross. They beat him. They tore off this wonderful, pure man's clothes and exposed him in front of all of these people that he created. They humiliated him. They stuck thorns deep into his forehead and down into the flesh of his skin. The pain, of ag- the agony of that is, is imaginable, unimaginable. They scourged his back till the flesh was hanging. they drove nails through his hands and through his feet. And we say that, you know, as quickly as we can say it, but not understanding the torment that must have been. The torment, the utter torment. And then hanging him on a cross. And then he looked down at them and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That is the bar. If you got something worse than that, well, then you got something to say. I understand, but he's gone before us, and he said, "Look, forgive, forgive." I don't know how sin works in its quality, if its expanse. There's a lot of discussion about that. What's what's a worse sin, or, or you know, look, all sin, and, and I'll just say that as a as a as a pastor and as a theologian for a lot of years, is to say this. Sin does is all the same when it comes to its quality. In other words, God does treat all sin the same. Stealing a piece of candy to some terrible sexual sin. Yeah, it's all the same in God's eye, but it's not the same in its consequence. Please understand that. So in that sense, in the great scheme of things, not all sin is equal. Okay, Especially when you're out there looking at our culture we'll get into that another time but sins of things that have been done to us when we reconcile we have got to remain reconciled if we want to be a better lover of people then we've got to go because now you're sitting there going david then who can do this can you imagine the disciples all looking at what jesus was doing and they all just looked at one another who can do this who can walk in this journey that he has presented for us. How can we make this happen? How can we be reconcilers to this world? How can we, we follow in the steps of Christ, it's just too much. Until we read Romans chapter five, verse five. And it says this, God is willing that God will fill our hearts with his love by the Holy Spirit. So you're coming through this series and saying, man, I've come up a little short on love, Pastor David. Um, I don't know if I have enough interest in people. I don't know if I've got enough faith for people. I don't know how to make myself available. We're all gonna get to that point. And see, if you got to that place and at the end of this series said, okay, well, Pastor David said all that. I can't do that, so I'm out of here. Actually, I've set you up to bring you to this one point. And that is, it starts with just realizing you can't do it. You need God to help you do it. Now you're going to go to him and you're going to say, I don't want to do it. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to help you. You got to do it. You got to love people because that is how you're going to be happiest. That is how you are going to grow. That is how you're going to receive what God has for you when you are in right relationship with people within the church, or when at work, in your marriage, when you've got those things healthy, moving on. But God is not going to leave you standing alone. God wants to give you his love. He wants to fill you up with it by the Holy Spirit. Man, I love that. That's my favorite verse. Because it says, I am going to shed abroad. That's, that's a good King James way to, re, to respond. But he, he's going to fill us up. Fill us up with his love. But you got to want it. And I hope that the series got to that point where you got to a point of a little desperation, but then to get to that point to say, but yes, I see the need. And to say, God, would you fill me up? You pull into the station of God. Say, Lord, fill her up. I need all of you to make this happen. I want to see the love of God in my marriage. I want to see the love of God in my relationships. I want to have a heart for the lost so that I can be a reconciler. I want to see it. It only takes one decision, and that's just to simply ask the Holy Spirit to come. I love that. See, it started out very complicated, but it always comes back around to one decision. It started with Jesus, would you come into my heart and be my Savior? Didn't take any more than that. The truth is, that's the way faith continues. Paul rebuked the fire out of the Colossians and Galatians because they tried to make more of it. When he says, Hey, why would you try to continue what you began in faith? It's everyday faith. It's everyday asking him to come and to work in me to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's the work of God. He just needs a willing person. So that's the question we end with today. Are you willing? Do you want God to shed his love inside your heart? Do you want to see the love of God flow through you so that you can experience the goodness of God in the land of the living?